for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tacovas boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis' ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C. O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. It's probably the number one question out there that never gets asked. What would you do if you were a first-time elk hunter? Look, if that's your question on your mind, you can bet the house and your favorite hat that you're not the only one. So simple. But man, that's a huge question for so, so many people wanting to fulfill their dream of a first-time elk hunt. Well, y'all, let's cut to the chase. Get simple and get real. Tonight, knowing what we know now, here's what we would do if you were going to hunt elk for the first time. Those topics along with our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Arnellis and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, host of your show, coming to you from an undisclosed place out here in somewhere in Texas. (laughs) And from Katy, Texas, the one and only, the king of the kitty cult. It is our Venezuelan <laughs> Mafia leader, uh, Luis Gonzalez, and your elk hunting coach from New Mexico, Joe the Badman Gillia. How you doing, guys? 
<laughs> doing good, man. I, <laughs> you're going to have to start calling WWF, dude. <laughs> well, Luis, how my, are you? I could get in my, in my, uh, in my announcing voice. The Joe Gillia. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how are you doing guys? Thanks again for having me back. Yeah, yeah buddy. Yeah, so for people that don't know, uh, Luis used to get teased a lot about his his cow call sounding like a meow. <laughs> so, yeah, we, so we call him the leader of the kitty cult. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. I got oh. all them cats around the neighborhood following me. Uh, so I, 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 it's not that I want to. Um, yeah, uh, show the, off. Huh? Show Look off. Look at this swag that he's got. Look, no. look, looky here, man. Look. So uh, everybody, check it out. Uh, the shirts. This this is one of the shirts for Elk Bros. That's uh, that you can find in our store, and and you know I, I can tell you, Luis Luis Gonzalez was the first person to order something yeah. out of the Elk Grove store. <laughs> Historical moment. And, and Gilbert, you know, you know why that was, don't you, Gilbert, huh? No. Which one Which one did I order, Joe? Yeah, his his picture's on picture the back, man. That's, That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was a little him. biased. I was a little biased, but <laughs> I had to do it. I would guess so, like he needed something else to swell that giant <laughs> Hey, yeah. but that's better than actually, you know what Joe did? Joe actually went and did push-ups and lifted some weights right before the podcast just to make sure that his chest looked big enough to that. show he, that logo. You, you notice how the word <laughs> elk, you know how yeah. the word elk has that mountainous yeah. look yeah. to it, that's right? That's right. That's right. So the first person to get a shirt, the first person to wear one of these was Leroy Chavez. Chav. And wow. uh, oh, that's awesome. uh, took it to him in Albuquerque. The first thing Chav did, and, and, and it was so cool because uh, Linnea's daughter was in there, and, and they were like, oh, that's a nice shirt. And he grabs a shirt, and he looks at it, and he goes, that's me right there. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. me that's right me there. Right I know there. the feeling. I'm going to be doing it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to see Manano and I'm going to show my shirt. I'm Manano. That's me right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you yeah. might have everything Manano, but you'll never have, you'll have this. this. <laughs> on, on the first set, I mean, this is the first run. This is historical, man. The first tease. I have some more designs that are happening. You know, Gilbert wanted one for our grinders that goes for them. And there's going to be a couple of cool things coming out as we start to grow go and grow also the hats i was gonna ask yes sir yeah. the the hats by the time people listen to this because the hats arrive tomorrow so um we actually uh mike wilson as we sit here i had an order come in on the phone oh, wow. and uh yeah and definitely man uh michael wilson uh out of ogden utah ordered Ogden, the Utah. first the first order for an elk bros hat right here man so fantastic yeah that's it's, awesome it's, that's way cool and there's uh shirts out there that are shipping people are getting some of them so for you guys listening to the podcast we're celebrating we're celebrating um a lot of things we're celebrating this monday uh Chav has his last chemo treatment, bro. This Heck one's yeah. for you. Go knock it out of the park, man. I tell you, we're, I, I know it's been a grind, Chav, and, and buddy, you're something else. And uh, we love you. And just know that we're, we can't go through it for you, man. But, buddy, we're, we're 
given you all of our thoughts and 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 everything and no and doubt. want you to okay. knock this out so i want the listeners to understand the level of admiration that we have for chaff um oh, his, his ability to 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 keep at it to keep working to to struggle through all of this and and to always have that end in sight and and just how much he has recovered in such a short time um and and then again you know the way he is, his, his, his quiet wisdom and, and, and his kind words and his kind soul and, and the way he teaches you things. And, and it, Chaff is just a, an incredibly special person. And um, to see him come through this like he has come through this is just uh, admirable and definitely somebody that we consider a role model for that. Oh you man, I, I've been so blessed and so fortunate the last four years uh, to be able to hunt with him. Uh, Joe, I, for lack of a better word, gave him to me, you know, and uh, that's big because, you know, that's Joe's partner, you know, right. and uh, I got to, been. yeah, and always has been. So I feel so um, humbled by being able to hunt with him. And then got to call a bullet. My first bull I ever called in, I called in for him. Uh, so, you know, uh, Chav has a huge special place in my heart. I, you know, I love him to death. Uh, he is an exceptional guide uh, and, you know, an exceptional human being. Um, he's just a guy that you want to ride the river with, you know. And, yeah. uh, I, you know, if anybody ever said anything bad about him, I'd sock you in the mouth. So, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about it. So, and, and you, know, you know, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything bad anybody about out Chav. There that could. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard Chav say a, a bad thing about anybody. And I mean, that just kind of. I love that about him because I can tell you this to this day, Joe. There's a bunch of people that can't say good stuff about me. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, from the time I turned about forty till now, I've been trying to live my life a lot better. Well, but I'm I can apologize to people now if I did anything to offend you. Well, I tell to, you what, man, I'm riding yeah. shotgun with you, bro, and always will. So, uh, but uh, for you listeners, man, to celebrate all of this, to celebrate uh, that last chemo coming up, uh, to celebrate the the first of, of this uh, this store and and what we're doing with this venture, I'm going to give you a discount code, and it's simply blue collar. B-L-U-E-C-O-L-L-A-R, blue collar. So that will get you 15% off your total order when you go ahead and order on the Elk Pro store, order whatever you want. If you order anything over $50, you're going to get free shipping as well. So that's a pretty good savings right there. No so, hey Joe, just uh, for clarification, blue collar, no space. No right? space. Just one word, blue collar, okay, for blue collar elk hunting. And, Fantastic. Uh, yep. So you, you'll get a... You go to the store. When you go to check out, there'll be a section there for a discount code. You just type that in, lowercase, blue collar, and it'll take it off on uh, off the top for you. All right? Fantastic. Joe, I got to tell you, I received a text from my brother, Zach Fisher. Uh, he, he, oh, gave yeah. us an, yeah, he gave us an idea, man. I wanted to give him, give him a little prop. He's always trying to help out and stuff. He says, in quotations, through the grind comes the glory an idea for your elbows elbows grind gear oh so, yeah through the grind it comes the glory i like it 
Hey, I like no man, Thanks, I tell you Zach. what, and we're going to have to put a, a, a little Z somewhere on there. Absolutely. Uh, the Zach, Zach Fisher edition, yep. Swag with a yep. Z, Zach Fisher edition. <laughs> Zach, uh, you're the man. Help bros grind gear. Thanks so much, brother. Appreciate it. You bet. Hey, uh, Beto, real quick before we go to shout outs, um, a quick update on your friend, Tony. Yeah, man, doing really well in therapy every day, occupational, vocational, and and physical, and uh, they doing speech therapy with him too. So he's doing good. He's got a schedule release date for three, uh, three, seven and should be home, uh, you know, uh, March 7th and, you know, doing good doing it, you know, and we kind of know why (laughs) we put a little bit of that love all on him. And man, I'm telling you, he's doing really good. That's awesome, bro. Yep. Very good. Way to go, Tony. Well, Joe, you know what time it is. Shout out. It's time for a bro shout out. out. If you're new to the show, these are just shout outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. And it's so awesome this week, man. These are some, uh, it was amazing. All these cool things that came out of these towns this week. So starting off, all right, Gilbert, (laughs) I know you've never been to Las Vegas, but if you land at McCarran International Airport, Luis, have you been over there? Uh, I don't think I've been to the airport. I've been to Las Vegas, though. Okay, so yeah. if you land at McCarran International Airport, visit the Welcome to Las Vegas sign, ride the Las Vegas monorail, and hang out at the Strip. Where are you? <laughs> well, you would figure you're in Las Vegas, kind of like Grant's tomb, right? Right. <laughs> no. Actually, if you did all those things and flew home, you'd leave the city without ever actually even setting foot in las vegas Vegas. in the city limits of las vegas yeah in fact as casinos were being built back in the day now we're talking like mob days back in the day right this town was created so that casinos there could avoid paying taxes to the city of las vegas these days new casinos still try to stay within this town limit in order to avoid paying higher taxes and most people don't even know that the whole time they're there they're actually in Paradise, Nevada. Wow. <laughs> Very <laughs> cool. Didn't know that, Joe. Yeah. Mm, man, I, you know, I've been there, through there several times, Reno, Tahoe, uh, Las Vegas, but never had spent a whole lot of time there and did not know that when I flew into the airport there that we were not in Las Vegas. Not in yeah. Las Vegas. And it says welcome to Las Vegas when you get there, right? Sure does. No <laughs> yeah. Doubt. Yep. No doubt. Yeah, I went to the uh, PBR finals there uh, one year. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool. Uh, that's a town that's that's wild and woolly, brother. It never no goes to sleep. I, I want to I go to a UFC fight in Las Vegas. I'm, it's going to be one of my bucket list things to do. I'd like to go to the big uh, archery Rocky that Mountain. they have there. And don't they have a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation yes, sometimes do. there? Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to do that as well. I think it'd yeah. be a good trip. Get the ladies together and go. Yeah, sound like a plan. For sure. Up next, Joe, Pikes Peak to the south, Mount Evans to the west, Long's Peak to the northwest, and the vast plains on the east. The area of our next city was first recognized as part of the Missouri Territory, Nebraska and Kansas until 1861 when the Colorado Territory was created. Most researchers guessed the name from the broom corn crop that in that area. It's a tall sorghum that uh, 
farmers sold for use with for broom whisks and whatnot in Broomfield, Colorado. Broomfield. Yeah, a lot of Broomfield. Colorado town. Broomfield in the house. Guys, thank you for listening. Yes, and, sir. Yeah. You know, good you elk never... country. Good elk country in Colorado. Oh, most <clears> definitely. <throat> uh, there's been some changes, though, and there's some, uh, some things that we'll probably talk about on a future podcast because uh, Wyoming cut some of its uh, non-resident tags there and Colorado took some of those OTCs and made them into a limited draw as well. So there's some changes on there. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, listeners, cut me some slack as Joe has a <laughs> tendency to give me the toughest cities uh, to pronounce and the toughest reading to actually uh, communicate. So Dude, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't oh matter. <laughs> my gosh, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. Uh, People is going to be rewinding and laughing. You know, this is gonna, what's going to happen here. But uh, so here we go. Only 20 miles from Niagara Falls. This town's name comes from the Erie Seneca Indian word, Gikdawaga, or place of the crabapple tree. For almost a century, this area remained hunting and fishing grounds for the six nations of the Iroquois. <laughs> Today, this suburb of Buffalo has one of the largest malls in the Buffalo area and still has ties to its blue-collar Polish American heritage. And it has the first Cabela's store to be built in New York. The name of the town, y'all, is Chictawaga. Chictawaga. Yeah, New York. New York. Yeah. Chictawaga, New York. <laughs> I messed up, Joe. I can't believe you're making fun of me like this, man. You're just cracking up over there, man. Hey, all, right. all them Polish Americans, y'all better watch the heck out. <laughs> Especially the ones that were from Polish. Polish. <laughs> Polished? I mean, you know, you never knew they could be Polish. Exactly. Oh, hey, second, that, I, I'm a polished American boy. Don't don't oh, you know, this is oh. what I get at camp all the time, guys. This is you know. Hey, y'all want to be in L camp with us? Join uh, the crowd. Here we are. And and look, I apologize to all six nations of the Iroquois there too, man. So <laughs> It's like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if wow. it sounded like French. I, I had no idea. Actually, man. it was not bad. Good, I mean, dude. it is French you when you kind of think about it there. Okay. So, uh, but uh, I, I hope everybody understood that a big thing here was the Cabela store. It's the first one to be built in New York was yeah, right yeah. here. Yeah, in Cheektowaga, New York there. <laughs> but when you said blue-collar polish, dude, I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Manano's going to get a kick out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he can't, though, because we all know that he would have butchered this even worse. <laughs> we got to get him on the show. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, up next, when your city's name is French for not Iroquois, but for clear waters. You know it's going to be downright beautiful. First known as Sawdust City for the amount of lumber mills back in the day. Today it's the nar- the ninth largest city in the state and the horseradish capital of the world. <laughs> but guys, the coolest thing to me is that it's also the Coob capital of North America. That's right. You guys heard me right. Coob. Come Coob. on. Come on, boy. Don't tell me you've never heard of a game called Coob, Gilbert. Absolutely. Yes, sir. 
used to play coob with my old dadgum college roommate. No, get out of here. You got to be. We close. did every weekend, get Joe. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, man, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I've never heard of it. Gilbert would do anything for a six pack, bro. So the objective guys of Coop, it's a horseshoes meets bowling lawn game is to knock over wooden blocks. Those are the Coobs, right? Okay. Uh, And and guy, you spell this K-U-B-B. All right. K-U-B-B. So the blocks are the cubes by tossing wooden batons at them. Mm. So it's uh, it's something I have never seen in my life. And I this is what is so awesome about what we do, man. We get to learn some really cool things. And this happens in none other than Euclid, Wisconsin. You would have called it Cobb. <laughs> Luis would say, I'm going to go play some cob. <laughs> oh, Wisconsin, man. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, thanks for being in the house tonight. And uh, we're getting a lot of people from Wisconsin. And if you are in Wisconsin, I just want to do a shout out of to the Where to Hunt podcast with my uh, with my buddy, Eric, out there. And, uh, and uh, listen to that podcast. It's really, really a great podcast uh, to listen to. Awesome, Joe. Next up, look, y'all, if you're into early American history, look no further. This place is cool, and I'm talking with a capital K, baby. (laughs) It's America's oldest inland city and was actually the nation's capital for one day only. When the Continental Congress met downtown in 1777, it has 29 covered bridges known as kissing bridges. They have the first pretzel bakery in the States that opened in 1861 and Milton Hershey for his famous candy opened his first candy shop here in 1866, the Lancaster Caramel Company in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) <laughs> Lancaster, Pennsylvania, man, we, we always talk about elk in Pennsylvania. So, uh, we keep saying y'all send us some pictures over there. Yeah. Oak, I, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Joe, do they have an elk herd in Wisconsin yet? I don't know. I don't either. But I if they know. got one in Pennsylvania, I'm sure them rascals are headed West. You know, I mean, they'll be in Ohio and everywhere else before long. It, it won't take long. It really won't, man. You can't it, fence them in. No, <laughs> people have tried. Yeah, hey, Joe, real tried. quick, did you happen to have a, a quick update, even if it's just close enough, of the number of CDs, the number of listens, where you guys are are at nowadays? Oh, so um, like I said, we were we are like getting ready to top out listeners in four thousand cities. We're just off of that right now. We are now at, have had listeners. And I don't know if they just found us by mistake or what, but 52 different countries that we've had that. And we just topped out our 70th, our 70th thousandth listen. 70,000. Yeah. I I think the last time we gave that report, we were at 60,000 and and we just topped out 70,000. And that's, that's that's total listens. Yes. Total listens. Right. Wow. Yeah. 
So, Pretty cool, Joe. Oh, it's 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 awesome, man. That's so cool, guys. Listeners, again, man, if y'all like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You know, if you want your questions aired, go to info at elkbros.com and send us an email. We'd love to talk about what you got on the show. Them five-star ratings don't hurt us at, at all. So, um, you know, you have to go to Apple Podcast and uh, also on YouTube. Uh, we're on YouTube all the time. Uh, you can hear the podcast on Apple Podcasts, but you can actually see all of my animated uh, <laughs> things that I do and Joe and, and the boys too. I mean, if you go to, to YouTube, yeah. there's a lot of content that comes on that YouTube when Joe does some overlays and stuff like that. So uh, check us out on YouTube when you get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I want to give you both tons of props because you guys have put a lot of hours and a lot of work in this. I mean, I don't, I don't think listeners in general, and I include and myself included, uh, realize the work that goes behind the scenes to make this happen every week, you know, Joe's um, just, yeah. Just looking the information up, you know, uh, organizing the topics and making sure the ideas flow, um, the editing, the, the equipment and, and just loading all that stuff up. So pretty awesome, Joe. Pretty awesome. Well, thanks, man. And, and I would like to tell you, you know, all of our grinders out there, look, so a lot of times what our content, what comes out, we want it to be pertinent to what's on your mind at the time. And when you send those questions, when you send those concerns, when you when you send those things that are intimidating you or that you just think that you're falling short on or you have this big blank space of wonder man, send those in because we want to make sure that it's time specific. And there's so many things that I take for granted. And that's why we have the group that we do. And we have all different levels here of people of experience and where they're from. Look, take a look. We're, we're all talking to you from three different cities, man. And yeah. I'm an hour earlier. So that means these guys, uh, right now it's nine, 11 here. So that means they're up wherever they're at 10 o'clock, uh, away yeah. from their families at night. So we, we really, our goal is to give content to you to always help you to be better. I was just talking to another uh, podcast this this morning. I was talking to Chad from Backcountry Rookies. If uh, if you if you've never listened to it, um, check it out. It's just awesome. He has some incredible guests on there, and we were talking about about sponsors and things like that. And one of the things that came up is, you know, he's like, well. You know, there's so many people that that they don't want to talk about somebody else. They only want to plug their sponsors. And I look, guys, here's the deal. We are here as coaches to help you become better and to have these incredible experiences. And the first thing that we are going to do is recommend the things to you that we believe in. We are going to tell you the places to go whether they're a competitor or whether look if somebody's doing something good the first thing I learned as a coach and I know these guys are the same way is I always taught my kids you honor the effort you honor uh the great things other people are doing if you're competing against somebody yeah compete compete hard love the competition like we do with when, when we're out there in the field but you always honor those people that are putting that kind of great effort into it. I, I will be the first one to tell you, look, if you guys out there, a lot of you, when we talk about this topic, we're going we're gonna to cover it, but I'm, you're going to hear me tell you, if you want to learn how to call elk, I'm going to tell you the people to listen to. Uh, we're going to have some stuff. Love for you to listen yeah. to that. 
But I tell you, you go listen to Paul Medell, the Elk Nut. He is just so much fun, and he is dead on. We have so many similarities in our lifestyle and our beliefs and stuff that I love what Paul does out there. You can listen to, you know, we brought up Chris Rowe. You can go, uh, Corey Jacobson is a world champion caller that has Elk 101. Go check these resources out because every dollar that you spend in making yourself better, your knowledge level is going to come back not one, not five, not 10. It's going to come back 50 fold because it's going to make your experience that much higher. How much would you be paying for an elk guide? Just think about that or to go someplace and, and have somebody show you to hunt. So that little bit of investment is going to go a long way. All right. No so uh, no uh, let's get to tonight's topic. Hey, hey guys incredible stuff but guys tonight's topic is really just mm -hmm. one simple question knowing what we know now what would we do if we were hunting elk for the first time that's a question that i'm sure everybody i know i had you know i had no idea what to do other than you know who to contact and stuff like that right right, right. and before and before i guess before we get fully invested into the topic, Joe, right. I, would it be fair to kind of uh, narrow it down to what are we talking about? Is this a person that has some hunting experience and is, is going now to try elk hunting for the first time? Is this a person that is just no hunting experience whatsoever is going straight into elk hunting? I think cause some of the advices may, may be different, you know, sure. some of the things may be seem super no, basic. And, and, and that's an excellent question. What I would tell anybody, before they go take off and go on an elk hunt is to get some hunting experience first, first. I mean, you know, you, you got to be, uh, you got to be proficient with your weapon. You've got to understand things about hunting. You've got to have a little bit of an investment, a little bit. And we'll yeah. talk more about that in, in gear, as far as your weapon, uh, as far as uh, a, a simple pack, maybe like that as far as if you wear any camouflage you know those things that uh your gps those things go a long way and just having some just having some knowledge about uh woodsmanship and and being out in the woods and stalking an animal uh doing your research on an animal the, those types of things i would recommend uh that people do first get some hunting experience right so I agree. I think I would say, Joe, that, uh, you know, it's, it's elk hunting, at least the way we do it is, is very challenging. Um, and you know, you have to have at least some foundation to, to start with, you know, just yeah, going at it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, going at it for the first time, not knowing any hunting at all. I, you know, I think you, you probably need to, like you're saying, uh, do your homework before and get a little bit of foundational knowledge and preparedness for it. Well, and I will tell you this, guys, is it doesn't have to be big game necessarily, man. I no, mean, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I cut my teeth squirrel hunting, <clears throat> hunting rabbits, you know, and went to yeah, elk. I, I, you know, I started deer hunting when I was old enough to hold a rifle up at five or six years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't kill my first animal till I was probably 11, I think. Uh, but at, I killed a lot of squirrels and rabbits and stuff like that uh, between that time. So, I mean, I, as soon as I could fire a weapon, my grandfather had me out there with him. Uh, but at the end of the day, elk hunting in general, if we're going to talk about 
you know, elk hunting for the first time. Right. I can speak to this because it wasn't that long ago that that happened for me. Uh, I didn't know who to contact, right? There's so much uh, in information out there right now. So I, I didn't know really who to contact. But I can tell you this, what I really did do is I went to my taxidermist who does all of my taxidermy work. I walk in his shop and he's got a whole bunch of elk heads on the wall that he's done, right? And I'm like, I wanted to go on a bow hunt, right? A real deal bow hunt. Now, I didn't really want, you know, I grew up riding horses all my life. I know how problematic that could be. Really didn't want to do the horseback thing, stuff like that. But I wanted to go on a real deal bow hunt. And, you know, I wish they would have told me, hey, fat ass, uh, you ain't going to be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, they didn't, they were kind to me. And they, were like, they were like, listen up, man, if you want to go on a real deal elk hunt, you need to contact this outfitter. Right. So what I'm going to do Gilbert is I'm going to play the guy on the other side because all of our listeners out here going, well, that's great, man. But I, you know, uh, I don't want to do an outfitter. I'm, I am going to do it myself. And, and so <clears throat> Gilbert, you have taken a number of elk. I've met you and stuff yeah. like that. And, and buddy, I just want to ask you if you were me, I want to go on my first elk hunt. If you were me, what would you do? What would be your plan and how would you go about it? Well, first of all, I'd have to, I'd want to figure out where, right? right. It'd be one of the first things that I want to do, Joe, is figure out where I wanted to hunt. You know, do I live in a state that's got elk or am I mm-hmm. going to have to travel outside? Uh, you know, and then I'd have to figure out when I wanted to hunt. You know, if I wanted to bow hunt, if I wanted to rifle hunt, what time of year? Uh, and then, after that, you know, so, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you, bro. I'm sorry. Sure, I'm going to interrupt sure. you. So I'm asking you then, what would you do? So where would you, when would you, why would you, you tell me, man, what would you do if you were going to hunt for the first time, knowing what you know? So I would, I would definitely do my homework through the internet, right? I would go uh-huh. and look, uh, I would look on my Onyx, mm-hmm. you know, if I were going to go hunt it, I'll figure mm-hmm. out an area first where that I wanted to hunt a good high percentage area. Most of these states that are around here, that are elk states. They put out information that are high, uh, high success rate rate areas. And that, you know, these are their harvest numbers and this, that, and the other, I would definitely go focus on something like that. And then once I figured out where I was going to go, then I would do tons of map study through Onyx about where I wanted to be, and uh, what time of year, you know, depending on what time of year I was going to hunt. But, man, I would put a lot of time in figuring out uh, uh, where in that state that I was going to go hunt elk. And so then, what, and what time then, of year do you want to hunt, bro? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a bow hunting guy. Uh, I want to hunt in September. I want to hunt as close, knowing what I know now, I want to hunt as close to that equinox as I could get it uh, in in and indefinitely customize my trip to be if I'm doing it myself in the woods I want to maximize the amount of time that I'm going to be there I would try to hunt around that equinox that we know really kicks the rut off for elk because I want to call them in right? would you be hunting That's by yourself that. you know I would be if I didn't have a buddy of mine that wanted to go you know I'll run in a circle where there's a bunch of guys that like to hunt elk you know right so if However, you know, I've said this many times, you know, I 
I put in for that draw up there in the Viva Doll. And if I draw out, somebody's coming with me. I don't know which one of y'all, but somebody's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, uh, I, I like hunting with buddies, right? I do. I think, I think you're more successful uh, doing it, especially when you're, when you're uh, hunting at that time of the year. I, I, yeah. think, I think it's big, um, especially on the safety side. Uh, I think it's important to have somebody with you at all times. I mean, you, you know, the, the support system that takes place on the mountains is is very important to have somebody uh, with you that, you know, is going to have your back and you're going to have theirs uh, and, you know, for, for many reasons. Right. But uh, yeah, uh, I'd rather hunt in a group as well. So if, if somebody, and, and I'll kind of leave this and you guys jump in just the same way I did, you know, if you want to hit the question there, but if somebody just came out and said, Joe, man, you've killed a lot of elk. And if you were going to go on your first elk hunt, what would be your plan? How would you go about it? I, I tell you what, uh, Gilbert kind of hit on a little bit. If you live in an elk state, my plan, what I would do is I would find the closest place to me that has elk. It doesn't have to be the greatest place. Uh, it doesn't have to be the highest percentage. I tell you what, the area that we hunt in was not a high percentage area. However, we had something to do with that percentage going up, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of guys that go into our area. Remember, 10% uh, of the guys are doing 90% of the killing, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's those same guys year after year, year after year. So I would find some place as close as possible that has ill. And the reason I would do that is, number one, uh, time is such a value, right? Mm -hmm. I would find some place that I could spend as much time hunting and as little time traveling. And uh, that means that that's a place that I'm not just going to visit it one time a year. I'm not going to get there and just put boots on the ground. I have a chance to maybe go there and, and, uh, and, and look for some sheds. I get to yeah, go there, maybe scout. do some turkey hunting, you know, experience the area. And if you can find some place that you can hunt year after year. Now that's not available in every state. If there's OTC, you can do that. If there's not, and you're an in-state hunter, you got more chance of drawing, especially if you look for those areas that are not places that a lot of people go. All right. So I would find some place as close as possible. Uh, and, and I would learn that place. I would just by traveling, I'm going to see things. I'm going to see blown up trees. I'm going to see uh, trails that are happening. I'm going to see uh, where sheds are happening. I'm going to see animals, man. And if I'm finding cows, uh, now I'm already getting a hint as to what's going on. I'm, I'm seeing animals I can have an encounter. So that would be my first thing. My plan would be, first of all, find some place that I can hunt as close as possible. If I'm out of state, same thing. Yeah. Where can I go that's as close to where I'm I, I'm at to drive to that I could go pretty much every year would be the best plan. Mm -hmm. You know, I would find that place that I know I can elk hunt every year. And then I would put in for those places that I want to hunt every year yeah. in another place. All right. So that's the first thing I do. Um, I, I can tell you, my plan would be, I'm hunting, I'm a bow hunter, so my plan is I want to be on the front end of the equinox. I don't want to be on the back end of the equinox. That's just me. Now, they're mm -hmm. going doggone nuts on the back end, and you can be just as uh, as successful there, but I really like it when 
those herds are developing. That's just me. I yep. prefer that. I like it when bulls are not hooked up already, when, when bulls are going from that bachelor group and really starting uh, to develop. You know, they've got all of those, uh, all that testosterone starting to happen and start to confuse them and they're starting to look for cows. And just that transition is a real good period to catch bulls off guard. So that's what I'm looking for. Now, if I'm a rifle hunter, I can tell you this. If I am not able to find a hunt in early October in the rut, I'm finding a hunt as late as possible. I don't want that myself. I don't want that period after the rut. I don't want that uh, post-rut. I want late season. And mm-hmm. the, the reason for that is, is those bulls are now showing up again and they're having to eat. They're having to eat. Okay. Um, for everything, I, I tell everybody, try to keep it simple. Uh, so <clears throat> when it comes to your equipment, if, if my plan would be is to use what I'm most comfortable with, I'm most comfortable with the bow in my hand. That's what I want to use. If you're a rifle hunter and that's what you do, then you try to get yourself uh, in a rifle elk hunt because you're comfortable with your weapon. You're most likely comfortable uh, with your scope, with glassing and things like that. Now, let me ask you guys, your first hunt out, what would be your plan on what type of elk you would be hunting? Hmm. You know, for me, it was about killing the bull and not a bull. I remember. <laughs> and I, you, you, you probably know my answer now. I would change that. Uh, elk hunting is extremely difficult. And I'm going to tell you this, any bull or any elk you can arrow with your bow and harvest trophy. is a true trophy, right? Yeah. So I would change that. I had many opportunities <clears throat> that I passed on early in my elk hunting career because I wanted to kill a big bull. And uh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I would have had uh, a lot of opportunities uh, to get some real elk hunting experience. Mm-hmm. And then when I did have the opportunity to shoot a big bull, I think it would have been a little bit easier. Uh, Cause as we do this, things do become a little more easier for us to close the deal. But I, for me, it was about killing a big bull. So, and we did it. I mean, it took us a, a few, a couple of times to get it done, but at the end of the day, I mean, we got it done. Uh, but for me anymore, I mean, the first legal elk that walks out in front of me is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And, and in my case, uh, it was a little different. You know, first of all, I had the experience of, of what you guys have gone through uh, and right. heard a lot about it, but Hey, Look, first time I came out there, the dream I have in my mind is a big bull, you know, mm-hmm. period. I mean, that's what you, you come out there, you imagine yourself in a situation with a big bull. But very quickly on my first trip, I realized the difficulty and the challenges of this hunt. And at this point was like, you know what? I just, honestly, I don't, it doesn't matter. Any opportunity I get, I will take it. And I can tell you that, on the four uh, elk hunting trips I've been out there with you guys, every opportunity I've had a decent chance of taking it, I have taken. And so, and so. <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could hang Luis on a keychain off my belt loop because the first year that boy Amy came Tucker. out here, you, he, these guys saw had more big bulls 
opportunities, sightings, and uh, encounters than most guys will experience in 10 years. You guys I had, covered- I had one opportunity. I did see a lot, but I had one opportunity and I took it. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, but the big Canadian had a bunch. He had oh, enough yeah. for all of us. I tell you what, though, uh, the encounters that we had were unbelievable. Bull after yes. bull after bull. And when you're having, y'all, the more encounters you have, the more opportunity you have for uh, for you to make that, to have that draw, to have that opportunity for a kill. Well, right. into what Luis is saying, he felt like he had one opportunity. I can tell you this with what you know now, every one of those was an opportunity for you, but you know, you know a whole lot more now, Luis, yes. that time you felt like only had one opportunity, but I promise you, if you reset yourself back in that setting with the experience level you have now, you had a lot more. Right. And, and I know that because of the and way potentially I, I could have created more opportunities. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. For I, sure. I didn't, I for didn't. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't, have opportunities because potentially I didn't do things that I could have created. That, them. That's right. That's so, what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting at. So yeah. for our listeners, that's really huge right there, Luis. It's, it's really huge. You guys got to understand that when you get amongst elk, when you get so that you have those encounters, your opportunities that are going to happen. Mo- I, I can tell you this, 90% of those opportunities are going to happen because you make them happen. If you are going to sit and wait for that opportunity to come to you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Sometimes you got to have everything go the right way. As a matter of fact, Joe, that one opportunity I had, you grabbed me by the backpack and pulled me back and put me in a window where there was the opportunity. So that was the one opportunity I had. And it was just drugged by you on the road. And here's the window and stop the elk and shoot. So, so yeah, we're, we're literally, we're right. I mean, we hadn't been off the four wheeler uh, five minutes. Uh, yeah, walking and I had done some that. cow calls. I did some cow calls and man, off to just off to the left and in through over top of some scrub oak. All of a sudden, this bull shows up and I'm frozen and that bull's staring right at us with a with a broadside and I'm like, he's right there, you know, and he and he's like, I can't see it. So I literally grab him by the pack and pull <laughs> him over so that That's he right. would have that that shot. Yeah, it was. Uh, Hold yeah. on, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that bull was like, yeah, that bull could not figure what was going on there, you know. It was a crazy and, shot through the brush, perfect window. Perfect and window. You stopped him right on that window. And, yeah. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun. That was great. But the other thing that I want to bring up too is you said in your mind, uh, you, you know, everybody wants that big bull. Yes. Well, that's a relative term too, because right. a lot of guys that have never come, uh, been around a bull elk, uh, a lot of bulls that might not be uh, a trophy bull uh, might pretty be big. Looks pretty, <laughs> looks pretty big, man. They do. They're huge, man. I'll never forget it. Golly. <laughs> well, I've I had, had them blow dirt all over me and everything. It's like a Clydesdale that, horse coming at you, man. Well, you you killed a raghorn, and I was like, oh, my God, look at that bull. And you're like, no, that's just a little raghorn. I'm like, holy that, crap. That's the point I'm trying to make because yeah. they are just such huge animals. So, uh, look, I, I, Michael Batiste, I think, brought it up one time because uh, somebody was talking about trophy and when do you consider something a trophy. And this was the coolest thing I heard was that if it 
gets your heartbeat going, if it gets your pulse racing, if you get excited about that critter in front of you, you've got a trophy. No because doubt. That's what you're, that's what you're living for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that's I, every time I draw. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way, you know, with my bow, I feel like everything, I don't care if it's a chipmunk or what, I mean, it is a true gift from God, a trophy that if we can harvest that animal. Right. Uh, I think another thing, Joe, we hit on is our equipment. You know, uh, I've seen guys go out their first time, be real dejected because they didn't use some, some of the right equipment. Right. Right. They were a little underpowered, a little, you know, a lot of guys, shoot some bows that are, you know, uh, these are big, thick skinned animals. They're not deer. Uh, they're much more thick skinned like a hog and, uh, even, even thicker than that. They got denser bones than a hog does. Uh, the hog's got the plate and everything that you've got to send it through. But at the end of the day, elk are big critters, man. I mean, you know, so a lot of guys will show up with a bow that's a 55 pound bow, uh, or, you know, maybe even, uh, 50, 58 to 60 and they're shooting right. mechanical broadheads and this, that, and the other. it's just a recipe for disaster because they don't have the kinetic energy at distance. Right. right. A lot of times we're not shooting 20 and in we're shooting 40, you know, 45. And as that velocity dwindles, your impact force is going to dwindle as well It's simple physics. Um, so if I could tell guys, when you're working out, man, work on those traps and the triceps and everything else. So if you got a bow that you can turn it up to 60, 65, 70, and you can shoot it accurately, use a heavy arrow, a cut on contact broadhead that we've mentioned several times, not mechanicals. I think it'll help them in their first times going out there having Agree. some basic equipment that's not going to fail them. A good flashlight, <laughs> you know, something that's not going to fail them, uh, you know, a, a good a good handheld either telephone or GPS that's got Onyx on it. Uh, I, I think yeah. those are things that can really can really help them. And I so, think it's important, Beto. You're describing actual hunting equipment, the stuff that you're going to use your gear to hunt. Uh, to me, when I think of equipment, there's three things I think about. I think my hunting gear. I think my clothing. My actual. Oh yeah what am I wearing and what do I need? And then no camping, camping no equipment, camping gear and stuff like that. And I think the latter two are more related uh, to the first question of where, you know, where are we going to go hunting and what no time doubt. of the year? So mm-hmm. those two, those last two relate a lot to those first two things. So you have to really define where and when in order to define those two. But as far as the equipment, your hunting gear that you just yeah. mentioned, yeah, I agree 100%. I was blessed to learn from y'all's experiences, and that's what I went out with, and I'm still using that same equipment. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I would, if you asked me what my plan was, I'd find a place as close as I can that I can get to know. I'd be hunting with a weapon that I've hunted with that me and that weapon are buddies, pals, friends, and we know each other. That way there's no surprises. Um, I would be hunting with a buddy, minimum of one buddy out there i would uh have learned how to use a diaphragm call with a grunt tube so that i have good cow calls um a couple of decent bugles uh i would be hunting in that first part of september 
probably 10 days prior to the equinox in that phase right there. I, I would not care whether it was a full moon or a dark moon. Yeah, I'm either. hunting that uh, because my plan is if I do have a full moon that I'm going to find critters at night, locate them at night and be on them in the morning first light. That's going to be my plan. I'm going to uh, use a base camp. Uh, I'm going to use a truck with a tent and be able to travel. I will have, I prefer to use a four-wheeler where I'm at so I don't have to take my truck in and out. I'd like my truck to be something where everything can stay. It can stay at the camp there. I like to use a four-wheeler and get out into an area. Uh, I don't like just driving a, around to hunt my goal is to be to find those areas where other people aren't so my plan would be to look for those areas between roads where most people want to stay two roads i'm looking for those places that people pass and i i like to use a four-wheeler as my mode just to get to an area and then i'm on my feet i want to be in the woods two hours before daylight one hour minimum trying to locate moving slow my strategy is i like to move I like to give a little bit of a cow call here, especially when I'm doing early season. I'll do it through a grunt tube because, guys, it's not always sounding like a cow call. Sometimes it sounds like a bow call. In other words, bulls will make those cow mews when they're communicating moving through. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of bulls come into me early season just to check out another bull because that's where they're communicating. They're not necessarily doing a lot of bugling. Uh, I would do a location bugle, and I like to use a double bugle, especially early season. Uh, I've I've given that before. I'll give that again on a, on another episode. But it's basically where I do a location. As I'm coming down, I go right back to that high note. And I would tell you this, guys. A lot of times when I do a location bugle, ask any of these guys, I never even use any of the lower tones. I pretty much go right to that high tone. If I've, if I've done any calling and I know nothing's close by, I'm going to go right to that high tone and I'm going to broadcast. Man, I just take my grunt tube and go all the way across and broadcast. And then I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to listen and I'm going to work through the woods like an elk. That's my game plan. That's what I'm going to do. And for me, um, if I was just me and two guys and I didn't have to worry about helping other people, uh, me, because I love to hunt, I have passed on animals early on because I didn't want it to end. But when I have other guys in camp and there's six of us and I'm going to be calling, that means first legal animal that I get, I'm going to put the animal down so that I can then help my buddies to get theirs because that's what I, that's what I live for and that's what I'm there for. Um, you know, that, uh, that's kind of my strategy and how I'm going to go about it. And the areas that I'm going, in my plan, I'm going to find the thickest area I can. I want to be in timber. I want to be in oak brush. I don't want to be in open areas. I want it as thick as possible because I'm guaranteed a 20-yard shot or a 30-yard shot, sometimes a 10-yard shot when I do that. You know, so that's kind of my game plan. That's my mentality when I'm going out. I want want people to understand that in this little monologue that you have just executed, you have amazingly summarized exactly what you do Mm -hmm. in, in our hunts. I mean, this is 
exactly what you do, Joe. And and as you're walking through this, I'm just kind of going through yeah, images in perfect. my head yeah. of how the, all this is actually actually takes place every day in and out. So yeah. I just you know people need to understand how valuable that is because this is word by word exactly our game plan. Our it is game the plan modus at, operandi of what we do. I mean, yes. yeah. It, and nothing, we've never wavered from that, you know, right. uh, and it's highly successful. So if you guys will, if you guys listen, we'll take a few notes on what Joe just said in his, in his little rant. I'm serious. <laughs> it is fantastic stuff. Uh, it, and if you'll do it, I mean, you're going to, you're going to be amongst the elk, you know, uh, I, one thing that he said about getting good with a diaphragm call uh, and everything some diaphragm calls can act funny in the mornings and stuff. So you kind of need to warm them up, you know, uh, warm them up in camp before you get out or whatever. And uh, look, I ain't going to lie. I keep a hoochie mama in my backpack just in case something happens with my diaphragm and I need to use something to stop an elk or whatever. Right. And so, I mean, look, there'd been a thousand bull elk killed with a hoochie mama. Right. Uh, we have, I usually carry multiple, diaphragm calls but uh, i'm telling you i keep my hoochie mama in there just in case something goes wrong and they all go bad uh so at the end of the day but you know and guy another thing i've seen a million guys go out and leave camp and forget their release put a release in your bag keep an extra one in there uh, there's nothing worse than getting out there and getting all your stuff together and after you've traveled all the way and then you're just so, going to be along for the ride. Wrap it, wrap it around your bow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or have your soles fall off your boots. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's stuff that you can plan for. And then there's stuff you can't, you know, I was uh, this year, I was so excited. I, I get all my gear ready and I go out and do things. I was so excited to get these guys out there and to get started that we get, we drive for, I don't know what hour and a half, man, and get to our location there. And I get out and I get off and I was like, God dang, I feel light. And uh, <laughs> because I didn't have my pack on, man, I left my pack in camp. That meant my grunt tube. That meant my calls right there. That's when uh, actually Luis and I got into a relationship because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't was, kiss, though, but he just, you know, got pretty close there. Just, <laughs> I, I was like, dude, man, he's like, well, I have I have a diaphragm, but I've used it. And I was like, give me the freaking diaphragm, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we ain't going to get all cootified and everything. <laughs> Come on, bro. So I, I actually, I the the day that he killed his elk uh, was with a, a borrowed diaphragm and a borrowed grunt tube. That's right. And uh, do you remember that, man? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I lend you my ground tube and my diaphragm. You, yep. you hadn't, you, you didn't have your backpack with you at all. Yep. You, you did have the camera though, because yeah. Manano we, was going to be the cameraman. But, well, he uh, had, yeah, he had that, and that's what it was. Is we were trying to get everything. My brain was everywhere else other than just that, trying to make sure that we got stuff on video and everything. But I, I will tell you this: I offered to give the diaphragm call back to him, and he wouldn't take it. So, you know, <laughs> As this relationship is only one way, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> that's, some that's some amazing content, Joe, to help guys on their first time out, uh, you know, um, and then that's straight up do it yourself. Right. Right. Um, well, 
and and you didn't hear us mention uh, you didn't hear me mention anything about camouflage you didn't, uh, you know anything yeah, about boots or anything mm-hmm. look I, I i don't care what you wear you pay attention to the wind yeah. uh, uh, you better have two scent checkers on you because you, you you take care of the wind you do a job you learn to talk to these animals you learn to shoot well you learn to be patient at the end, but make your opportunity. Uh, listen to the things that we teach. You can go listen to our podcasts on close, closing the deal. You're going to hear a lot about that. But, you know, if you do those things and you get out there and you get off the beaten path and, and you hunt fearless, you use that onyx, man, religiously to locate places and get in things. It doesn't matter what you wear. It doesn't matter what's on your feet. I hunt in tennis shoes, man. It it doesn't matter. Now, I, I tell you, you get in a, extreme conditions. That's what I was going to say. It, what you wear, it's it's mainly dependent on weather other than correct. the way it looks or whatever. But just right. weather, just keep weather in mind. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if you're in some place that has extreme conditions, there's no way you can go up to Alaska and, and have, you know, do some of the things I've gotten away with, but in in New Mexico, I know that when my feet get wet in the morning, they're going to dry off by 10 o'clock because, uh, everything's going to start warming up, but, um, feet dry, try to keep your feet dry. I can't stand my feet to be wet. Uh, I ain't having it. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I wear a good pair of boots. It's in it for me, my feet are two of the most important things that tote me around every day. And cause I got plenty to tote. And at the end of the day, uh, I got to take care of them. I learned a good, good lesson a long time ago, not, not elk hunting, but doing other things in my life that a good pair of, pair of socks and a great pair of boots are lifesavers. And, uh, yeah. for me, it's about keeping my feet dry and keeping them, uh, keeping them in good shape. Cause I'm telling you, there's nothing worse than being out there and your feet hurt and they got blisters and if you tear them up the first day then your hunt is the rest of your hunt is going to be miserable you hunt tennis shoes none of that stuff happens y'all well (laughs) i mean but you got to understand joe's been living up there for a long time and and doing this for a long time he's got calluses on his feet they look like a daggum (laughs) warlock foot right yeah he actually took a picture of them the other day and posted it on instagram and i'm like please don't joe if you got like a big warlock foot like joe yeah you can run around (laughs) barefooted like bigfoot up there but at the end of the day sasquatch most of us aren't sasquatch like joe get yourself a good pair of boots man uh and and uh, you'll save yourself a lot. I mean, I got so, tender feet, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, yeah, he's a softy, man. He's just soft all, all I, I do. I got man. tender feet. I'll yeah. never forget one time my wife and I were at a resort in, in the Caribbean. And at the end of the day, she loves the sand and the water and everything, man. As soon as I took my shoes off, man, that sand was so hot on my feet. Bro. I'm talking like burning like fire on my feet. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. and I'm getting to my little cabana there, you know, and I'm telling you my feet, she goes, big sissy. I can't believe you live in Texas all your life and you didn't go around barefoot. I said, no, my feet can't. This take. is where the YouTube channel yeah, I mean, so valuable because you get to see the faces oh that Gilbert All just right, I'm made. Gonna pull, I'm gonna pull us back in, man. So, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now. I'm telling you, she said, she said you're such a big sissy. I said, no, I'm not. that night. 
after we got done tanning and all that, <laughs> I couldn't go back to the room because I had huge water blisters, huge ones on my feet, Joe. But I had to go to the doctor there and Second degree oh burns. my lord. Man, there's huge to have that stuff drained off my feet. There's huge water blisters on my feet. So when <laughs> I tell people I got real, real sensitive feet, I'm telling you the truth. So that just tells y'all, man, find out what boot he's wearing, because if that boot is protecting his feet, man, it, it, the average person is really <laughs> yes, taken care of. Yeah. Amadeo Soto <laughs> said, I can't believe you're wearing those boots. Amadeo. You said, you, you, said oh. you wore those boots and you're wearing those boots. Manano yep. was standing right next to me. He thought yep. that was hilarious. Man. So what I want to tell you guys out there is, is if, if you heard anything in there that you have questions about, if there's something that you went, okay, I get that, but here's what I really want to know now, send that question in. We yeah. will answer that uh, because hopefully what we just did as far as what our how what we would do, that maybe that raised some questions, maybe it raised some concerns, maybe it did some other things, just send it in. Because right now we're going to go to our Elk Bros mailbox because we have we had a lot of questions come in. Uh, in our lineup, up first will be Richard Ross, then Keith Palmer, and then John Jones, Derek Baker, and Alex. I hope I say it right. It's uh, Fedua or Fedua. Um, uh, you can call me Giglia, Giggles, whatever you want, because <laughs> people butcher my name all the time, and I apologize ahead of time. But those are line up just in case we don't get through everybody right now. So we're going to start out with Richard Ross, and Richard is from that place that that we had to pronounce before from Washington, that Stillicum. Ha ha ha! We got it down now, buddy. Uh, Stillicum, Washington, and he said. Have you ever heard of someone using for scent control with hydrogen peroxide to wash down uh, with using wipes? So they were using wipes with hydrogen peroxide or that baking soda in your boots for scent. I knew a guy that did just this, and I was wondering, is this a thing of the past for hunting? And so let the, let the poor boy, poor country boy here start off. <laughs> Have you guys ever used any of that stuff? Use baking soda. Bacon I have soda. used the baking soda for for washing right. washing the uh, the boots. So and yeah, <laughs> Chav and I used to take baking soda and powder the body, drop some in the chones. That that's oh, our Lord. underwear for you guys that <laughs> don't speak Spanish. Put some back there in the back. And I can tell you what, if you've ever had baking soda down in your private area, it can <laughs> it, it 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 uh it, it no can be no. a little irritating. But uh <laughs> no, uh baking soda is it probably is a thing of the past because there's things that you can use that don't irritate you right now that do some of the same things they make. And it's so low cost. I mean, uh, guys go to Walmart right now, man. And I guarantee you all of the, all of those deodorants, all those, uh, uh yeah. unscented deodorants are all on sale. And I have uh, heard of the hydrogen peroxide. Um, I have not gone as far as using it, Joe. I think, you know, to your point, if, if you, you wash your clothing with right. nonsense soap and mm -hmm. you let it dry out in the sun or whatever, and then just keep it in, in a bag to where, you know, it's just going to kind of not going to be contaminated by any other scent or anything right. like that. And then right. if you actually you know, shower with nonsense soap and use nonsense deodorant, I think that gets you as close as you can ever get. I mean, yeah. the, 
the hydrogen peroxide may give you that extra little oomph, but at the end of the day, when you're hunting these animals, I mean, you're playing the wind. So uh, you're just trying to uh, minimize the potential spooks when you get super close to the animal. Yeah, and right. I don't think that peroxide and what's the, what products are out there is going to make or uh, is a deal maker or breaker. I, I, think I it, use scent killer gold on my yeah, clothing, right? Yeah. That stuff is fantastic. It won't right. allow your clothing to absorb any scent, right, yeah. for a few days. Well, and, and Richard, I think the stuff is of the past. And the reason I think it is is back in the day, we did not have all these other things. Yeah. Um, so we were pretty limited. I mean, it, it seemed like everything out there was uh, to keep, you know, to cover with a good smell, all the deodorants and stuff. So we have so many options right now, but it is real. I still throw baking soda in with my clothes every now and then. So it's just a habit that I have. All right. Yeah. I'm just going to get in the habit of telling you guys to use the wind. Cause if y'all don't, it don't make a daggum bit of difference what you got on. If y'all don't <laughs> yeah. lose, use the wind, they, they, gonna, they ain't going to be there. Go listen to our podcast on scent. That's a good That's one exactly to listen right. to. Uh, Keith Palmer. Uh, Keith Palmer is one of our patrons on our Patreon page. Uh, he's from Saskatchewan, Canada. Keith, first of all, thanks, bud, for being a patron on our Patreon page, man. That That's so cool. Uh, yes. Keith says, uh, love the podcast. Tons and tons of great information you're giving us, and it's entertaining, too. My question is, have any of you done any flatland forest hunting for elk or just mountains? If you have, would it be possible to give some pointers on how to locate them? And I... The areas that we hunt, Keith, you have a choice. You have a choice of being up in the more mountainous areas or down on what we call kind of mesa tops. And our mesa tops are pretty flat. You'll find some, you know, there's rises, there's dips, there's crevices, and it does drop off on the sides. But um, it's, it's a different just remember when you lose elevation, you got to come back up <laughs> <laughs> and it's always and, uphill, no matter, what. no matter what, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you're hunting flat land forest, um, and you're trying to locate elk, I don't think it changes. Now, you, again, you don't have this upper third, lower third things on where those animals are staying, um, as far as where they're bedding down and the different things, but they are going to find a defensive location of mm. some time. And they'll find a thicket or something, Joe. Right. They're going to find a thicket or something to get inside there, or they're going to get in an area that uh, is kind of thick where they can get the shade and yet have open area around them where they can see. Um, locating them elk or elk. So, they're going to, if they're going to communicate, they're herd animals, they're going to talk, you're going to locate them the same way. Slaves to their bellies. Yeah, and slave to their bellies, like Gilbert always says, man. So you're going to do a lot of the same things. You're going to move, you're going to use your nose, you're going to use your eyes looking for sign, and you're going to talk. Your best bet for creating uh, opportunities is being able to talk to those animals. And uh, I think that is number one. You, it really doesn't matter whether you're in Arizona in those flatter areas or in Arizona up in their mountain areas or New Mexico tabletop, New Mexico mountains, New Mexico scrub. You know, it's pretty much the same strategy every place as far as 
um, using our eyes, using our nose, and being able to call to these animals to get them. Remember, half the battle of killing an elk is locating them. So if you can get them to give away their location to where you can move in, you're in the money. Okay. And, and, and looking where Keith's from up there in Saskatchewan, <clears throat> I would have to think he's in some of that flatter floor, forest that what he's talking about. Right. And look, Keith, these critters are slaves to their bellies. They're going to eat and they're going to drink and, uh, and they're going to, they're going to reproduce. So as soon as you can find the corridors or their travel corridors to and from the places that they like to be, morning and evening, uh, where they want to feed, where they want to bed. Those are the places you're going to find the elk. And if you can get in there in the thick stuff, your opportunities are going to be even greater because you're going to have shot opportunities that are in tight, that are in close, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I like the thick stuff. So Joe and I, we've killed a lot of bulls in, in the thick stuff. And you know, I've managed to be able to shoot a 70 yard shot in the thick stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, I think it's super important for you to understand the travel corridors of your elk in, in that flatland forest and where they're going to Exactly. Be. And, and, you know, all about the feed. And the thing is, you guys have so much water. So those animals are going to be dispersed. They're going to be a little bit yeah. different. They're going to be where they feel like they have the most safety, uh, where they can do the things that they want to do and uh, be able to eat. And breeding is going to be huge. That's why I think that September hunt is such a big one. So, Yeah, and, you know, Joe, he's asking also about locating them. Man, get good at giving one of those location bugles. They'll sound yeah, off. That's what, I'm, you know? that's what I'm saying. You learn to talk, learn yeah. to call, and get them to give away where they're at. Okay? That's right. Um, so we're going to go to John Jones. He's from Farmington, Iowa. Derek Baker uh, and Alex, we're going to have to – hit you guys on the next one because they're going to really take some uh they're going to take some time to be able to answer those john's got uh, uh a real quick one here he's from farmington iowa and he says i've been listening all week to your podcast love them by the way very informative but i was wondering will there be a line of elk bros camo for sale anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question and i'm glad he asked that joe lay it on him brother so john uh, buddy, that is, uh, I, I'm showing you, this is the first prototype right here uh, for Elk Bros, uh, a condo camouflage. It's, uh, it's, it's got our, our blur and diffusion pattern in it where you can see some areas that are blurred out. It's got some shadow lines that will actually, as you get further away, start to darken. Uh, this is our first camo pattern, and we are currently in the works right now of trying to get that developed and get that produced so that we can sell that. Our goal, our goal is to be able to have different levels for different people because we want our grinders to be able to get a shirt to get pants at, at a price that they can afford. If you want to go up in levels to other things, um, then we're going to be able to try to have that as well. But we want something for all levels that people can afford uh, and whatever they desire so that they can have this and wear proudly uh, our pattern out in the woods. And we'll talk more about this and what went into it, the thought processes. But, buddy, that's a great question. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's happening. 
And I'm glad Joe got to got to break out the the uh, the the new swag that's coming out. I mean, it's awesome to see Joe in his Elk Rose T-shirt. Uh, next week, hopefully, we're all in an Elk Rose T-shirt. Uh, at the that's, end of the that's day, that's Chav right there. That's Chav right there is where he's pointing. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, then that, the, actually, the that was you. Chav is the one. On the other one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then. Uh, We'll have the camo out oh. shortly. We're working on that real. Yeah, that's Chav right that's there. That's Chav right there. My bad. I'm the big guy. Go. He's the that's, little guy. That's okay. <laughs> we all know what you're talking about, brother. Uh, you know, having the camo and everything's been kind of a dream of Joe's and yeah, mine. Yeah, it is. Well, it's a dream so of mine. It's, uh, it's going to be real cool. I mean, yep. we, uh, we crawl and walking and running, so it's going to be good. Yeah. All right, bud. I think that's an evening. Well, again, like to all our listeners, man, you know, please uh, rate and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review us. Uh, thanks so much for everything. Guys, thank y'all for your time tonight. Joe, Luis, give Chab our best, Joe, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You bet, man. And husbands, please kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husband. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Honey. Peace, peace. Peace. Watch Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Join us for land management tips, family hunts, and conservation-centric films as we show our appreciation for the great outdoors. Once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full blown redneck on these fish. This is like high tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun. Sundays at 9:30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.